0: Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. This
1: is Blue Wire. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles. It is a live, in-person episode. Kyle and I are in the same studio. We're in KHTK's studio in Sacramento. It's a little weird. We're not doing this over the internet. I'm looking at Kyle right now. We're both a little bit in shock after what happened last night on Game of Thrones. I guess we can talk about that after the episode, but... uh, a lot of stuff going on this weekend, Kyle. How was it? How was Mother's Day and your NBA basketball watching experience? How was all that?
2: Yeah, it was a really good weekend. I always get a little concerned because I feel like I'm going to miss something, but I I didn't. I felt like I had a really good Mother's Day. I went wine tasting and I had we had the basketball games up on my phone and was home in time to see the crazy end of the Raptors Sixers game, the Warriors one, which is good. Um, <laughs> so no, it was a good, it was a good weekend.
1: Yeah, so I uh, I came to Sacramento. My mom lives here. Uh, we did a a brunch over at the Double Tree. It was lovely. Uh, so hung out with her. Me going going to the newsroom today. A rare appearance in the newsroom. But um, yeah, the offseason. When You go to the newsroom. Are yeah. they like? Do they like applaud?
2: Are they like? Oh, he's here. <laughs> no. He why it. would they applaud? <laughs> why, why would they ever do that? Because
1: you're it's such a rare. You're like a yeah, it's kind of rare. Yeah, sure. Will. <laughs> people, yeah, people are definitely surprised yeah. to see me because like I think I'm the only employee who actually works. For the newspaper who lives like two and a half hours away
2: yeah it makes sense yeah
1: but um no I've got got a new uh editorial situation shaping up that I gotta gotta uh get the feel for so in Sacramento today but um yeah this is awesome it gives us an opportunity to talk about the 49ers face to face instead of uh instead of over the interwebs so um today on this episode we're gonna do Uh, We're going to talk about the five most intriguing roster battles following the draft. Uh, We're sort of in that slow portion of the offseason where we're between uh, phases of the of the conditioning and and, uh, OTAs and and things like that. So we've had the drafts. Obviously, we had free agency in March. So now we're going to take take inventory of the roster and just and just see what kind of decisions the 49ers are going to have to make when they trim that roster from 90 to 53 uh, at the end of August and and in early September for week one against uh, when they travel to Tampa Bay. So you have any you you have any off season thoughts before you get started with this?
2: No, I hate this time of year though because it's not like, the best. It's it's not and there's no draft. There's no like we're we're gonna break down the roster kind of as much as we can right now. I know we're not gonna get super into like who's gonna win these position battles. It's just more who's gonna land on the roster. But even everything the thing about Anything you say this time of year could in six weeks be totally irrelevant based on uh, what we see in in OTAs or injuries or or what have you, so it's a it's a really rough time of year.
1: Yeah, making roster predictions in May is a great way to sound stupid in August, <laughs> yeah, right? Because right, we we we've never seen we've never seen these guys practice with other NFL players. We had rookie minicamp, and honestly, there's not a whole lot to take away from rookie minicamp because the rookies are practicing with a bunch of tryout players. Um, so it's not exactly, you know, it's it's our chance to see these guys put on pads and and run around for the first time. But there isn't really NFL competition out there on the practice field, so we it's not really a good barometer of of how these guys are going right. to play. And obviously, Nick Bosa didn't even participate in eleven on 11s for, right. you know, for health reasons and um and things like that. So, uh, let's start our our first intriguing, I guess we're going uh, our, We we ordered this from sort of a broad a broad perspective. Uh, so, we're going with the the most intriguing. So, I think the five, we're, we're starting with the least of our top five intriguing battles. So, we're going to go, we're going to start with cornerback. And the 49ers kept five cornerbacks mm-hmm. on the roster last year. And so, with the addition of Tim Harris and Jason Verrett, the 49ers are going to have some interesting decisions to make. And it's obviously going to come down to health. Um, but cornerbacks intriguing because it was such a topic of discussion throughout the offseason because the 49ers were obviously bad in coverage throughout last year and um, they didn't get a whole lot from Trevarius more though he played a little bit late in the season. Uh, Keller Witherspoon was obviously a big talking point. He was injured throughout parts. He was inconsistent when he was playing. He was in and out of the lineup. And I think overall, one of the things that the 49ers did, which might have been a mistake and might be one of the reasons why they have a new defensive backs coach this year, is because they kept rotating at cornerback opposite Richard Sherman through a a myriad of reasons. Right. Right. A lot of it was inconsistencies, there were some injuries, um, and nobody really got in a groove and, and there wasn't really much continuity on the Back end and that led to a lot of communication issues and things like that so cornerback is interesting because they have tim harris um they have dj reed who's a hybrid uh you know slot corner free safety guy who who could make a significant leap this year
2: i feel like he was really good in the slot last year not, i think so not too. great at safety so i think that's his spot
1: yeah and jimmy ward is is being moved from cornerback to safety full-time this offseason right. so that's going to be interesting because last year jimmy ward was essentially a starter at cornerback because Richard Sherman was coming off as Achilles tear. Right. So you had your top two corners throughout the spring were Jimmy Ward and Akella Witherspoon. And now you have Jimmy Ward. Essentially, I think he's a favorite to be the free safety. Sure. I think Um, he's the best
2: safety on the roster.
1: Yeah. I I agree with that. Obviously health, health permitting, which is, which is a huge question mark. But so looking at, the the depth chart the the early the early depth chart you have Richard Sherman you have Jason Verrett who I think the forty ers are are really high on and he's played in I think four games since 2016, Four right. or five that's that's
2: he he'll be he'll be the wild card when we when we discuss this v- f-
1: absolutely and then you have Kawan Williams Akella Witherspoon Tavarius Moore two third round picks in in twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen then you have six rounder Tim Harris uh, Greg Mabin, Emmanuel Mosley um, and Tyree Robinson so. I mean I think they're gonna they're gonna keep five they're, I think that's the ballpark number um so you know usually it's gonna be one usually the the, the te- teams are gonna keep one slot corner so it could come down there could be a competition between Kwan Williams and DJ Reed depending on what happens at safety um sure. if there's an injury at safety maybe they keep Reed too uh, but I mean how, how do you see cornerback shaking out
2: I think it's going to depend a lot on Verrett because I don't think there's really a doubt that he's the best corner on the roster next to Richard Sherman. And if you tell me they're getting 16 games from all these guys, injuries aren't a problem. I think Verrett makes a team undoubtedly. But he's coming off an Achilles tear and he has not shown... 2015 was his was his lone season where he played 14 games. I think it was his second year. Yeah, a Pro Bowler. Yeah, he was a Pro Bowler. He played 14 games, but other than that, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And it's been a, it's been a variety of different injuries. Like he's just uh, he's had an ACL, he's had an Achilles. I think he had a shoulder issue as well. So he's had he's had injury problems throughout his career, and I think that's where. I think that's where things could get really shaken up. I, th- I think Witherspoon is probably the favorite right now to line up across from Sherman because mm-hmm. he was so good in his rookie year. And then he comes back last year. He struggled early on, but he was so good late before he got hurt. Um, so I think injuries are going to play a big a big role in in how this cornerback roster shakes out. And then DJ Reed, you mentioned he and K1 Williams might be battling for a roster spot. DJ Reed... Had uh, off-season shoulder surgery. Mm-hmm. He'll be out uh, till training camp. Yeah, so he won't he won't have the benefit of of OTAs, and he'll be coming back in training camp, coming off an injury. So he's going to be a little bit behind the eight ball in a year where he needs to be at his very best. So that's going to be it, it's it's going to be intriguing to see how they distribute snaps in training camp and throughout the preseason and i think that'll tell us a lot about about kind of where guys are at
1: so for right now at cornerback my only locks to make the roster are sherman witherspoon and Moore. Okay. um so yeah. we don't know i mean i assuming jason Verrett's healthy and playing well he'll make the team um yeah. but that's a, that's a huge if he he hasn't participated he in any of the off season program yeah, yeah he's coming off an Achilles tear from last summer um so we have no idea really what to expect from him it's a, it's a big, you know, sort of boomer bust scenario with, with sure. him. Um, Kaywan Williams and DJ Reed obviously competing for the, for the slot corner job. I think Reed is, is more likely to make the team just because he can play safety. Right. But you have to, and, and then factoring in Tim Harris, who missed two seasons to have medical red shirts. Uh, I, he had shoulder and, and wrist injuries at Virginia. You know, I, it, it could be that they keep six guys instead of five just as an insurance policy.
2: I could see that, especially going through what they went through at the position last year. Having an additional body at that spot doesn't sound like a bad idea, especially somebody like Tim Harris, who does have NFL size, and he was a highly touted recruit coming out of high school, and when he played and he was healthy, he was good. It's a lot like Verrett, although we haven't seen him play in the NFL yet, but in college he was good when he was healthy. So I think they have more talent, and this is where this is where I think it's important for them this year. I think they have more talent on the roster at this time this year than they did last year.
1: Yeah, And
2: absolutely. that competition wasn't there last year. Like, Akella Witherspoon was just kind of penciled in at the top when Richard Sherman got back, and he was going to be the starter. Uh, so I think, I think the thing that's important at corner is the fact that they do have some talented players. We still have to see what Tavarius Moore brings in his second year transitioning from safety. Can Akella Witherspoon get back to his kind of peak form and stay there? I consistently be good if if the competition brings that out of those guys uh, I, I think the Niners cornerback group will be a lot better
1: yeah and and you remember last July with Witherspoon I think he has the highest upside of all these guys we're sort of talking about outside of Sherman and, and Verrett because remember that the MMQB wrote a story last year about how Akella Witherspoon went to this cornerback camp with right. that Richard Sherman put together with Darius Slay and Akib Tlaib and Witherspoon talked about it. He was quoted in the story saying, like, I belong in this group. I'm going to be in a weak mm-hmm. corner. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why people were so disappointed with his season last year is because he was far from that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the 49ers, one of the reasons why they didn't go, um, they didn't invest significant resources at the position in the offseason is because they think Witherspoon can still get there. And maybe they, they think more can to a point. Um, and they haven't seen that from them. So that's why they weren't so eager to. To, to sign a, a lucrative free agent or trade for somebody like Chris Harris or draft a cornerback before the sixth round. So, yeah. um, all right, so let's move on. Uh, next on our list, I have defensive tackle, uh, mostly because it's going to be a really interesting battle to see how the back end of the depth chart shakes out. Yeah, And, and sort of, you obviously have your, your mainstays. You have DeForest Buckner, you have Eric Armstead and Solomon Thomas. Um, and aside from that, like sure, DJ Jones is probably your, your top nose tackle. Sheldon day can also play nose tackle. Julian Taylor is, is an intriguing guy entering Mm -hmm. year two. Um, and then you have Contavious street who uh, was a fourth round pick last year, missed all of the season because he had a pre-draft ACL tear who a lot of people thought would have been a day two draft selection who, you know, could have been a potential starter if not for the injury. So not all these guys are going to make it. Um, you know, in terms of defensive linemen, I think the Niners are probably going to keep eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And then you talk about, you know, Nick Bosa, D Ford on the edges. Um, I would assume Ronald Blair is going to have a good shot to make it because he's really their their only other defensive end right now right. with any sort of established NFL career. And so, and he was pretty good last year, right? So that's three. That's three. Yeah, Blair was good. Um, that's three guys. So then you're looking at the rest of the group, and then you have. Buckner, Armstead, Thomas, Jones, Day, Taylor, and Street. You know, I think not, not two of those guys probably aren't going to make it, right? Or one, right? Like you could see a scenario where Sheldon Day doesn't make it, or Julian Taylor doesn't make it, or even Kentavious Street doesn't make it if he if he isn't um, if he isn't healthy. And they and they probably have a little bit more flexibility with Street because right. um, they could you know stick him on the practice squad or uh, you know an injury list or, or something right. like that. So. Is it? I think this is interesting because Robert Sala, his, the defensive coordinator, has hinted at using Eric Armstead at nose tackle more, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah. Um, Solomon Thomas is going to be playing inside more, which is interesting. So, is Sheldon Day going to be on the outside? Um, is Julian Taylor going to be on the outside? I, I think those three guys competing contav- with comp- Contavious Street uh, is is just going to be really fascinating to watch because. If the 49ers do lose any of their top guys to injury, uh, and we know Armstead has an extensive injury history, obviously Solomon right. Thomas hasn't been as productive as as a team would have hoped to this point. Um, how is that going to look? Because that's really the strength of the team and the way they've constructed the team. They need that to be a strength. So yeah. those guys who aren't starting still need to be productive if they're called upon.
2: And I think versatility is going to be a big thing too, because if you're playing Nose tackle like th- you're not on the field that often if, if that's all you can do is play nose tackle effectively. You're not going to be on the field very often. So I think uh, throughout camp seeing which guys line up at various spots and how effective they are at those secondary and tertiary spots. I think that'll be that'll be what really separates this
1: group Tertiary,
2: yeah, yeah, dude. I'm that's a, a I'm great a, word. Yeah, you're welcome. You can use that. <laughs> I can't spell it, so. <laughs> <laughs> so you just got a new sports editor. Okay, thinking. yeah, fair enough. Uh, John Lynch has talked about if you're cutting good players, you're in a good spot on your roster, and I think right. that's might be what we see with the defensive line. Not saying they're going to cut three Pro Bowlers, but they might be in a situation where they cut a player or two that we see come up and become a contributor on a good defensive line elsewhere and i think that's like i said i think that's good news for the niners that they're really choosing between uh, several players who might actually be pretty good
1: yeah and that's sort of the theme of the offseason right you mentioned the lack of competition last year a lot of guys came into you know their second seasons particularly the draft class from 2017 maybe a little bit complacent because they played well to end 2017 um and and they, they sort of weren't pushed last offseason. That's something Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have both talked about, so that's a good point too. Um, yeah, like looking at it, I think there, there could be a trade that comes out of this position group. Like Sheldon Day probably is trade value. I'm not, nice. not, you're not going to get like a, an early round draft pick, but right. you, could, you could potentially get a six or a seventh for, for Sheldon Day right. for a team eating depth. He, he could play three tech, he could play nose, versatile. He's obviously uh, at a different stage of his career than, than younger guys like Julian Taylor and Contavious Street, who I think the 49ers would like to develop. So right. um, that'll be interesting. Uh, next position, we have running back. And running back's really interesting because I think it's, you know, it's well-established who the top four halfbacks are going to be. You know, Jarek McKinnon, Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, and Raheem Mostert. Um, those guys have, have all been talked about, and and Kyle Shannon has even mentioned that there's a strong possibility that the team keeps four running backs on the roster, four halfbacks. Yeah. Um, but just looking at the numbers and and looking at, the roster it, it might be difficult, and Shanahan has always kept three halfbacks. Yeah. Um, and we know Raheem Mostert special teams value, which which is going to um, you know have Shanahan considering keeping four. But if you keep four, that means you're taking away a spot elsewhere. So maybe that's all along the offensive line. You remember the Niners kept ten offensive linemen after mm-hmm. final cuts last year. Maybe they trim that number to, to eight or even nine. So maybe that's where. Uh, that's where you skim from if you're keeping four running backs, but you know I'm not.
2: Watch this tease, or they might skim from quarterback more on that. Oh, later. there you go. <laughs> I like
1: that. That's good. Um, yeah, so it, I just don't know that it's necessarily a lock that they're keeping all four. I think it's highly likely, but you know we Jerick, we don't know if Jarek McKinnon's going to start on pup. Like that's that's still a possibility. Right. Um, Tevin Coleman obviously the, it could be a starter if needed. We Matt Breida. Could be a starter um, he's certainly talented enough to be a starter particularly within the scheme, but he had recurring ankle issues all throughout last year and one of the reasons why the 49ers added Tevin Coleman was because Brita struggled to be hundred percent healthy
2: that's, that, that's something that it's worth noting with with really all four of McKinnon Brita, Coleman and mostert is there's not really there's not a huge financial impact cutting any of them Right. So I don't think I, I think there's more, some more than others, but McKinnon's deal was pretty front loaded last year. Matt Breed is on the last year of an undrafted free agent contract. Tevin Coleman came in on a really cheap two year deal. And, and then Mostert just signed a three year deal, but it's not worth not worth a ton of money. So I don't think that's really gonna come into play where I am interested is to see how effective McKinnon is coming off that ACL because right. so much of what he did was lateral explosiveness. And that's what that's what you lose when you tear an ACL. So that'll be fascinating to see how McKinnon comes back from that injury when he comes back and how effective he is and whether that impacts whether he's going to be on the roster or not.
1: Right, and it's also interesting because we saw Jeff Wilson Jr. play well in spurts after coming in as an undrafted rookie last year. They they signed Austin Walter, running back from Rice, who mm-hmm. um, I think any Kyle Shanahan... Picks a a undrafted rookie running back. You sort of have to keep your eye on that guy, definitely. So, um, you know, maybe Walter comes in and plays really well, and maybe in, in training camp, and and maybe you know somebody. Maybe McKinnon suffers a setback. I mean, there there there's a lot more. There are a lot more possibilities at running back than I think people realize. Just mm-hmm. given sort of the how flush they are at the position and how some of these guys are are dealing with injuries and Shanahan's propensity for developing undrafted rookies at that spot.
2: Yeah, it's not a stone cold. Uh, Shanahan has said they'll keep four, yep. but um, that doesn't mean that they're going to. Right. Um, I, I, I'm with you. This is not a stone cold lock Four guys they're in no matter what. But if I'm putting money on it, I do think they wind up keeping those four guys and they figure out where to trim the roster elsewhere because, A, they need depth at that spot we saw last year. Especially with Brady dealing with so many injuries, McKinnon coming off an injury, but they're all so explosive. M- Mostert was really good as a runner last year, and he's good on special teams. I-, I think that you find ways to get those guys the ball.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I agree with you. I think one thing that we also need to keep in mind too, whether um, you know we're we're talking about them keeping three or four halfbacks. Raheem Mostert is really good on special teams. He's probably their best special teams player, mm-hmm. but that's not a completely irreplaceable skill set. Sure. Right? right. Like you could right. you could find gunners elsewhere. Maybe Tim Harris is a really good gunner. Right. Um Tervarius Moore got a lot better as the season wore on. Uh DJ Reed could be really good at it. So right. you you have other possibilities there. Uh so you don't necessarily have to be beholden to Mostert because he's good on special teams, right. because maybe you you fill that in elsewhere. Let's take a uh, a quick break to tell you guys about ShipStation, a new sponsor on Candlestick Chronicles. ShipStation, when you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. Time-consuming, expensive, so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. And right now, Candlestick Chronicle listeners can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. You can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in blue. That's ShipStation.com, then enter the promo code blue. Blue. shipstation.com make ship happen make ship happen you like that i love that i didn't i didn't uh did I didn't, you write that i didn't write this that that read but love it's a good that one. copy shout out to <laughs>
2: ship station yep so we're talking a lot of ship
1: <laughs> so let's get back to uh our position battles and I think the second most intriguing question facing the 49ers throughout August in training camp, are they going to keep three quarterbacks? Because Kyle Shanahan has used three different starting quarterbacks in each of the last two seasons. And there, there are different factors at play, of course. Obviously, when you have Brian Hoyer, um, he clearly wasn't the franchise quarterback and he got it. He lost his spot to CJ Beathard, wound up losing his spot to Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy right. Garoppolo gets hurt in week three of last year, the 49ers go through CJ Beathard again. And then Nick Mullins comes in, plays well after Beathard uh, can't play in that Thursday night game because of a thumb injury. And then Nick Mullins never relinquishes that starting spot. So there's a really intriguing question out there. It's, do they keep three quarterbacks? Mm -hmm. And it's another thing like with, with the running backs, like we talked about Shanahan has never kept or typically doesn't keep three quarterbacks Mm -hmm. on the 53 man roster but the 49ers might have two backup quarterbacks capable enough to make that a worthwhile idea. And you have to worry about Jimmy Garoppolo coming back from his ACL tear. So are you confident enough in Jimmy Garoppolo to only have one backup guy and how much, you know, where's, where's that roster spot coming elsewhere on the roster if you keep three?
2: Well, and I think the other thing you have to factor in when looking at that, because keeping three certainly makes sense but I think the other thing you have to factor in is is Rich Scangarello in in Denver. I know they just drafted Drew Locke and they traded for Joe Flacco, but if he says, "Hey, I really want Nick Mullins," let's give them a fourth round pick. I think that's something the Niners would. Uh, they would do backflips. They, would, they, they got a fourth round. Dri- right. Yeah. They would drive either of the quarterbacks. They would leave him in Denver after
1: right. their after their uh, yeah. joint practices. Yeah, in, in but ser-
2: but seriously, so it, it's along those same lines if. Of okay, there's a lot of factors that are going to go into this, but they're keeping two quarterbacks. If some team comes with anything higher than a sixth rounder, like if they could get a fifth rounder for Mullins or Beathard, they drive them to the airport. Like they're they're over the moon about that. So if that winds up happening, I don't think it will, but I think that's something that has to be factored in. If they put one of these guys on the trade market,
1: and a team's going to overpay for one of them. So. To to me, it's a, it's an interesting conversation because it, it sort of goes back to expectations going into the season, mm-hmm. right? Typically, you lose your franchise quarterback, you're not going to do much. Like you're not the Niners aren't winning the Super Bowl if Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt again. Like right. we can say that they're probably not even going to make the playoffs. <laughs> um, so at that point, is it important to have two really good backups, or do you just face the fact that all right? We're not going to contend because we don't have our starting quarterback. Maybe we don't want to overinvest in the position, win games, and cost us, you know, draft slots.
2: Saw that last year.
1: Yeah, it didn't really hurt them though, because right. they still ended up with Nick Bosa. Right. That's a separate conversation. But, <laughs> but you know, do do they do they still want to? And I know, you know, Kyle Shanahan's competitive and and John Lynch is competitive, and they're entering year three, and then they're never going to say, oh, you know, we we don't want to win every game. But if you look at it, like, is it really worth, without your franchise quarterback, if Garoppolo were to go down again, is it worth still pushing all your chips into the table, into the middle of the table to be seven and nine or eight and eight, six and ten in that range when you could just bottom out and say all right we it's a lost year we're not competing let's let's bottom out and and get the best draft pick we can uh rather and help rebuild this thing rather than try to compete and and be in this sort of land of mediocrity where you're not really helping yourself improve the roster in the following offseason
2: right and that's where so you're keeping these two quarterbacks to try and maximize your the value of your second and third string quarterback positions that just doesn't that doesn't really track to me. Right. And when you see they, they effectively they have their franchise quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. They're paying him a lot of money. If he's healthy, he's going to be on the field. And I think bracing for injury and making sure you have two signal callers behind him. When you have other roster spots, that, like we've talked about, running back, cornerback, defensive line, where hey, maybe that extra roster spot will help. It's really tough to to say they should keep all three quarterbacks. Right. Or keep both backup quarterbacks, I should say. Right. They signed Wilton Spate, I think an undrafted free agency. They'll probably stash him on the practice squad. That'll be the third quarterback in the quarterback's room. And then you trade or cut Mullins or Bethard. Yeah. I think is how I think is how that has to go.
1: I think both Beathard Bethard and Mullins have trade value. I mean Mullins I definitely so does at this point. Yeah. Um just because what he did. I, I don't I, I think I'm I'm um one of the only people in this camp that I still think CJ Beathard has a significantly higher ceiling than Nick Mullins I, and yeah. that, and that um, not that I'm trying to discredit what Nick Mullins did because it was very impressive. Mm-hmm. Just, just given the fact that he was an undrafted rookie, spent a lot of time on the practice squad and really only got his shot because of two injuries. But I, and I know Kyle Shanahan feels this way, he he views C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins on an equal playing field, and I sort of do too because Beathard is significantly more talented, and I would argue that the Niners as a team, the, the supporting cast surrounding the quarterback played a lot better with Nick Mullins than it did with Beathard in both of the last two seasons. So, right. And maybe that reflects poorly on Beathard too because it's his job to elevate his supporting cast, and maybe Mullins did that more, but I don't think there's really an appreciable difference between the two at this point. I still think it's sort of small sample size theater when looking at both these guys. And like that Thursday night game against the Raiders where, where Mullins just completely torched them. Like Mm -hmm. I think Bethard would have done the same thing.
2: Yeah. Bethard looked great in, in Green Bay on, on
1: Monday night. Well, yeah. With the exception of that fourth quarter. Right. But he looked really good in the Chargers game at the first game after Garoppolo was hurt. I don't know if Nick Mullins would have, would have had the team in position like, you know, and obviously they got a pick six early in the game, so that yeah. was a huge factor in that one. But I think Beathard still could be significantly better than Mullins given the circumstances. If 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 they're playing with, you know, if they're supporting cast is playing at the same level,
2: all things are equal. Yeah, a CJ Beathard led
1: team probably beats a Nick Mullins led team,
2: all things being
1: equal. Yeah. So I think it was a lot the, of it was circumstance.
2: What the other thing I think is. There might be people listening to this going, Beathard's 0 and 0 and 10, 1 and 10, whatever he is as a starter. Bethard has not put up a bunch of wins. Nick Mullins at least won a couple games. Bethard stinks. They're done with him. He's shown what's his what's his record? One and nine. He's
1: yeah, that Giants, that Giants win last year.
2: Oh, yeah, that's right. So he's one and nine as a starter. That's 10 games. He's won one of them. Get him out of there if he's not gonna win. Mm-hmm. But I think the 49ers view CJ Bethard in a much higher light than a lot of fans probably
1: they traded up to get him,
2: right in the third round
1: right uh, so
2: you you see you see practices i don't but you see the talent discrepancy between the two and honestly if you if you just watch them if you watch bethard in a clean pocket a couple of the throws he made against green bay were sick and you can see there's talent there but with with Mullins, I think we just kind of saw what he is last year, mm-hmm. and I think if you put Mullins in any other situation other than the Shanahan offense that he knows inside and out, I'm not I'm not sure we're we're looking at the same guy,
1: right? And and I think there's a lot to the idea that take Nick Mullins off the 49ers, take give him another any other coach really except for mm-hmm. maybe you know Sean McVay or or somebody who runs a similar system. I think you see a pretty significant drop off. Yeah, right. like one of the the main reason why. Nick Mullins was so successful is because of the system he plays in and the coach he plays for. And obviously CJ Beathard plays for the same coach in the same right. system. So I, but like I said, I think circum- if the circumstances were the same, which they weren't, um, I, th- I still think CJ Beathard has higher upside. Um, sure. and I think if you were to pull GMs around the league, I, I, I would guess if the Niners would get a better trade package for, for CJ Beathard because of just the prospect he was and where he was drafted, uh, than they would for Nick Mullins, sure, who was undrafted rookie. So, um, all right, you ready? Our most intriguing roster battle. Yeah, dude. Uh, it's wide receiver. <laughs> Are you surprised? Hugely. <laughs> um The Niners have like 27 receivers on the roster right now. That's not exactly true. I think they have 11. <laughs> um, it's a
2: lot. It's a lot of receivers.
1: It's a lot of receivers. They have 11 receivers. Uh, they have kept six during Shanahan's first two seasons. So they're going to make five cuts. I have four locks to make the team. Um, and it's not surprising that they would be Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel. Um, I have Trent Taylor as a lock. Oh, and Jalen Hurd, the recent third round pick. So guys battling for spot, like guys who I'm not considering locks, Marquise Goodwin, Kendrick Bourne, Jordan Matthews, Richie James. And then you have your developmental guys, Max McCaffrey, Sean Poindexter and Malik Henry. Sure. Um, a lot of overlapping skill sets, a lot of versatility, a mm-hmm. lot of different ways you could deploy these guys, a lot of differing skill sets. So it's just so intriguing because you just really have no idea how it's going to shake out. Yeah. Aside from maybe having I, four locks, just because those those guys are locks because they were draft picks.
2: I only have yeah, and I only have three locks: and Pettis, okay. Heard, and and Samuel. Okay. Outside of that, it wouldn't. If you came from the future and you told me, hey. Richie James made the roster over Trent Taylor. That wouldn't super surprise me. No, it's not something Not after I would, last year with his back injury. No. Yeah, it's not something I would pick to happen because the fact that James couldn't produce last year in that kind of injury-filled receiving core that he couldn't elevate his game a little bit to see more targets, I think that's worrisome for him going forward. But if he does take a step up this year and he showed value as a, as a returner last season, he's a super explosive athlete, Probably more so than Trent Taylor, but uh, Trent Taylor, really good route runner, finds ways to get open, tough as nails over the middle. That's going to be a fun spot to watch. I just wonder if Taylor is an actual lock for that for that job, and I, I don't think he is yet.
1: Yeah, I think health permitting. If he's yeah. healthy, he's a lock. Uh, I think that's that's fair to say right? Um, because that back injury was really more problematic than the 49ers expected it to right. be last year because he had surgery in May. I think if they thought it would have been – that bad or if he would have thought it would have been that bad he would have had the surgery a lot sooner right um Marquise goodwin's a really interesting case study this offseason he might be the, the 49ers most interesting vet just in terms of the the range of outcomes we could be looking at for him this summer because obviously they signed him to a three-year extension last offseason after he nearly had a thousand yards and played really well with jimmy garoppolo what the 49ers learned in 2018 however was that they can't rely on Goodwin if he's going to be a fulcrum of the passing game, yep. just because of his durability issues. And it started week one; he had that he, that calf contusion or that quad contusion that really s- sort of derailed his season. And then he followed up his you know 962 yard year in in 2017 with just 395 yards and 23 catches in 2018, uh, and it was a season much more commensurate with what he was with buffalo before joining the 49ers and and the issues with goodwin were never about talent or or anything like that it was just all about durability and availability Right. and so Kyle Shanahan the fact that Kyle Shanahan has said we ideally we would like goodwin to be a backup and and be sort of a bit player more maybe more of a specialty player just indicates to me that a, a key point this offseason obviously they drafted two receivers is to make it so they don't have to rely on Goodwin to be their number one guy. Right. Um and does that necessarily make him a lock for the roster? I I don't think it's a lock.
2: No, they can he's a if he's a released after June 1st, which he would be. Yeah. Uh the Niners save 3.3 3 million this year with only 625,000 in dead cap. And next year that dead cap number jumps up uh to 1.25 million. So it's not, would not cost them a lot of money to cut Marquis Goodwin. But on the other hand, we've seen how dangerous he can be in this offense. And if they can take some of the workload off and maybe keep him healthy, uh, more fresh, I think that only, I think his numbers obviously go down because he's not going to be getting the same amount of targets. But I think his effectiveness goes way up because teams now have to game plan for. Uh, one of the fastest guys in the league.
1: Right. So I think what, what makes good when unique obviously is that speed Mm -hmm. and the 49ers don't have anybody else at receiver who can replicate that speed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dante Pettis is, is really the other X receiver. So you're talking about, you know, a pretty like Pettis could be a good deep threat potentially, but he makes it, he, he makes his hay by running routes Mm -hmm. and, um, being sort of an intermediate guy who can, who can turn an intermediate catch into a big game because he's really Mm -hmm. good after the catch. Right. Um, so Goodwin is really the only guy with sort of that game-breaking speed that can take the top off the the, mm-hmm. the defense. So, and with how reliant the 49ers are going to be on the running game and play action, that's that's mm-hmm. obviously really important. So Goodwin could have a really important role, but how much faith do you have if you're the 49ers that he's going to, um, that he's going to be good enough to fulfill that role? So it's right. it's it's a really interesting battle. And so you have... Um, good one there. Kendrick Bourne obviously played pretty well for an undrafted rookie in yeah. his first two years, but now you have Debo Samuel plays the same position. Second round pick. I mean
2: Kendrick Bourne is gonna have to be really, really good in the spring to or this summer to A make the roster and B find any snaps on right. the roster.
1: Right. And and he's sort of he's unique too in that he's probably Their best and most established. I mean, Jordan Matthews isn't necessarily established within the system, but Bourne is probably the most established, you know, quote unquote, possession receiver. Right, right. So he's gonna he he plays Z. That's the same position as Debo Samuel. Obviously, Samuel's gonna get um, priority here because he was Mm -hmm. such a high draft pick. And then Jordan Matthews is really just sort of like a wild card. Like I, I don't, you know, I I I have a hard time seeing that he makes the team barring injury.
2: If he finds. Because Shanahan talked to, I believe I read this in your paper, the Sacramento B, where Shanahan was talking about he wanted versatility from his receivers and how he wanted players who could do multiple things. And I think Matthews can. He's a big-bodied receiver who can play in the slot, but he can also play outside. And he's been super good in the red zone in his career, which is a a big thing for the 49ers. Mm -hmm. I don't think he'll make the team because, oh yeah, hey, we can throw in the ball in the red zone. But if he can be, if he can line up at, all the receiver spots and be effective in all of them and get back to the production that he saw in his first two or three years in the league. I think he suddenly not only finds his way onto the roster, but finds a really prominent role in the receiving core. On the other hand, he hasn't been that player for the last three years. He had a hamstring injury and the Patriots just cut him and the Patriots are running like Philip Dorsett at receiver. So I don't, I'm with you. He's obviously not a lock, but he's the, he's the receiver I'm keeping the closest eye on because it wouldn't surprise me if he got cut but it also wouldn't surprise me if he finds like a pretty prominent role.
1: And and the thing to remember too is if you're not starting you better be a good special teams player. So sure. is Kendrick Bourne a good special teams player? We haven't seen that yet. Um I would argue that we haven't seen that from Jordan Matthews mostly because yeah. I haven't I haven't follow, I didn't follow his special teams use Jordan Matthews or, special teams snaps. <laughs> in in Philly or <laughs> Buffalo or or uh I haven't watched all 22 from New England last summer. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's it. Those are our five most intriguing roster battles. Um, I think uh, I think we'll we'll wrap this up. So Kyle, thanks for thanks for hosting me in your lovely studio yeah, with anytime. all this professional equipment. Anytime really you want to awesome. pop in, I hope this sounds good today. Because if it doesn't. It- that sucks for like literally in a
2: professional
1: studio. So so yeah, please subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to Candlestick Chronicles on the blue wire network. Um, Ratings and reviews are are really huge for us, particularly on iTunes. So if you guys could leave those, that would be awesome. And uh, we'll talk to you guys later this week. When you make decisions for your company, you
2: look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do,